Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, September the 11th, 2023. September the 11th. Obviously, on this day, we remember September the 11th, 2001. We remember the tragedies that occurred on September the 11th, 2001. I mean, we can talk about that for hours. So on this September the 11th, 2023, I still want to talk about, well, tragedy, just a different kind of tragedy. But I, I, I'm going to use a current tragedy to speak to the broader issue of tragedy and faith, and hopefully you'll be willing to face some very important questions and really think these things through, because I think it's just a, I mean, as we're about to end September the 11th, 2023, I mean, you know, then, I mean, for many people, September the 11th, 2001, it's already kind of forgotten. They've already moved on. But for, for some people, it really, really, obviously for those who lost loved ones, it will never, they will never move on. They will always remember it. I think many others in the country have moved on, but it doesn't matter if it's September the 11th, 2001, or if it's September the 11th, 2023. We live in a world where there is pain, death, suffering, and tragedy, and it happens continually. So that is what we're going to talk about. So once again, good evening, everyone. It is Monday, September the 11th, 2023. It is currently 11.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I would like to challenge you to do something, and you know that uh, this podcast has always been a podcast that tries to get people to participate, right? I want people to participate, not just passively listen. That sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but I really, really try to get people to do things. So I, you may not want to do it right now. You may, because it's late, who knows, you know, you may be in bed, going to sleep. So as soon as you can, I would like for you to grab a piece of paper and something to write with. And I want you to really give this some thought. And all of your years of being a Christian, and all of your years of being a Christian, I want you to think of the different ways that you have been taught to deal with the reality of tragedy in this world. Or let me state it this way, because I, because that's probably one answer. So let me put these together, because I think this is a better way of trying to, to get you to really think about this. I want you to think about, in your Christian life, all the ways you have been taught to try to reconcile the goodness of God, the love of God, the power of God, the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God with the reality of pain, death, suffering, tragedy, and horrible evil things and horrible things that happen to people. And in your Christian life, how have you been taught to reconcile these two realities? The reality of there is a God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, good, loving, omnipresent. Those realities, those, those truths of God, how have you been taught to reconcile those truths 
in a world where there is tragedy. There are September the 11th, 2001s. There are World War Twos, World War Ones, Vietnam, Korea. You go on the Civil War, Revolutionary War. You just name it. There's tragedies. There's, there's tornadoes, floods, volcanoes. There are, there are all these horrible things that happen. Death. There is murder. There is rape. There is child molestation. There, there is, all these horrible things. As a Christian, how have you been taught? Because I know you've heard sermons that say, here's the goodness of God, here's the evil in the world, and here's how you reconcile this. This is how you answer it. And then you're supposed to remember that answer. And then when someone is either very antagonistic towards Christianity, very agnostic, maybe very atheistic, well, well, if your God is so good, well, then why is there all this pain and suffering? And then what you typically do, let's be honest, you kind of just put forth your memorized answer that you got in a sermon or on some podcast that handles apologetics. Now, in many cases, I think it comes across very cold and clinical because if someone is asking you a question like that, what you first want to think is ask them about their own lives and the suffering that they have endured. Because they may be, it may be being asked not from a point, uh, from a perspective of being antagonistic. It may be, co- be coming from a perspective of suffering deep and horrible pain. And they don't understand if your God is so good and omnipresent and all knowing and powerful, then why was I molested for f- 10 years of my life? Or why was like sometimes people are asking, and I think sometimes Christians, we just get defensive and we want to just give this very memorized answer instead of going, you know what, um, let me, let, instead of trying to give you an answer, you know, have you, are you asking this because you've suffered and are you've seen others suffer? And sometimes instead of giving an answer, you just let them tell you about the pain they suffered. You weep with them. You don't give them bumper sticker Christianity. You don't give them theological Twitter, right? Or theological X, as it's now referred to. You don't give them in a, you know, 180 characters or 240 characters or whatever. You don't give them a a five-minute TikTok video. You listen to them as a human being created in the image of God, express their pain and let them have their spiritual scream of pain and agony, their spiritual lament, But I I want you to just really think how you have been taught to reconcile these two realities. I mean, think about all the things you've been taught about God. Omniscient, all-knowing, knows everything, all-omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, present everywhere at all times, loving, merciful, gracious, good, holy, all right. You, you mention all of those things and then you're like, okay, all right. I got all the, you write all of those things down about God. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to watch the news for 72 hours. And you write down how many reports you heard of murders and rapes and the war and death and disease and famine and pestilence and starvation. And then you kind of go, I don't know what to do here. Now, for many sitting in the church, I don't seem to have a problem with it. And anyone who raises their hand with a problem is almost viewed as people lacking faith. Now, I'm asking this not just because it's September the 11th. I'm asking this because, hey, while we're all going about our lives, doing all the things that we've done, 
there, I mean, there's been a number of tragedies that's occurred, right? We had the, we've had, uh, you know, all, I mean, we could just go from one tragedy to another, but we'll just go with the, uh, one of the most recent. And uh, I'm just going to play an audio clip really quick, just for you to be reminded of this tragedy that happened recently. Here we go. Devastation from the earthquake in Morocco is still being discovered as rescue crews and aid groups make their way through the country's rugged Atlas Mountains. The government says some 3,000 deaths have been counted so far. Thousands more people have been injured. From the city of Marrakesh, which was itself badly damaged in the quake, roads are being cleared to try to get help to mountain towns. And this is where we find NPR's Lauren Freyer today. She is 3,000 plus people have died in an earthquake. They were alive, an earthquake happens, and now they are in eternity. Now, whether it's a news report of one person suffering and dying, or whether it's a news report of 3,000, but 3,000, the 3,000 number kind of hit me because, well, it's September the 11th, and you know, look at the number of people who died on September the 11th, 2001. The numbers are relatively close, right? So they're, 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 that right there just already got me thinking. So I'm just thinking about tragedy. I'm thinking about death. I'm thinking about suffering. And I was just trying to process this. And, and I started thinking, I wonder how Christians, you know, how, how have they been taught to reconcile these realities, to reconcile? Because, because I, I don't, I look, I, I know we like to memorize little answers given on an apologetics program. I just don't think those answers really work sometimes when you're looking into the eyes of someone who, you know, was molested for 10 years of their life or their parents were murdered or they, they were, you know, suffered in some horrible way. I, I don't know if your little, you know, your apologetics answers on a podcast that where you act like, you know, ooh, I, I was arguing with this atheist and I proved them so wrong. Yeah, you proved them wrong, but did you, did you forget that you were dealing with a human being who may have suffered? Like I, sometimes I don't know, you know, do you want to win a debate or do you want to care about a human being? I, sometimes I think we have to ask those questions. I'm not saying there's not a place for those debates, but sometimes we think that because a question seems to possibly win a debate that it really helps or proves something. And I think sometimes we, we don't really think this through, but here's what happened. So I was thinking about, the the earthquake. I was thinking about September the 11th. I was just thinking about all of these things. And sitting up like in our living room, there's kind of this, I don't know what you call it. There's like a, it's almost like a window. It's like this little, you can see through it and it's, there's the kitchen sink and you can see into the kitchen. And on there, there's like a little ledge, right? Uh, so in other words, you're like in the living room, you could just walk over to this little, like, I, I don't want to really call it a window. I mean, there's no glass there. There's this opening that, you know, you can see right into the kitchen, but you can walk there and, and there's a ledge and sitting on the ledge was the newest issue of feature a daily Bible study guide, feature a daily Bible study guide. And this came in today in the mail. Now, when I first picked it up, the first thing that hit me is like, you got to be kidding me. This is for October, November, December. It was a quick, it was a first kind of a slap in the face. Can you believe 2023 is almost over? 
it's almost done. Like we're almost done with another year. So then I, should, I you know, then I have one of my, you know, philosophical discussions about time. And then, so I, I didn't really pay attention. And then I looked at the picture and you can see, looks like a Christmas wreath in the background. There's a white candle. Looks like an Advent, cal- uh, an, an Advent wreath is what it looks like. And then there's a, a Bible in front of it. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a pretty picture. Okay. And then I looked over and I saw these words. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And I just set it down and like, wow. 3,000 people are dead because of an earthquake. It's the anniversary of September the 11th, 2001. We've had some horrible fires where people died. We've had all kinds, I mean, just all the different things that have occurred, hurricanes, everything else that's uh, that's occurred. And that, and that doesn't even deal with the ongoing death and destruction between Russia and Ukraine. We, I mean, just, just, you know, just, and just every other just normal, horrible, evil thing that happens. And it just made me, oh, that man would praise the Lord. So I'm going to take my Bible. I'm going to open up to Psalm 107. I'm going to open to Psalm 107. And I'm going to read some of these scriptures. And as I read them, we can ask some basic hermeneutical questions of the text, which I think is appropriate. But we're going to be confronted once again. We're going to be confronted because it really doesn't matter where you open the Bible. You are constantly confronted with this apparent, you know, if I say a contradiction, people don't like those terms. But we're going to be, put it this way, we're going to be confronted with two realities that we're not very comfortable with. Because we want them to reconcile, and I don't know if there's a good way to reconcile them. Again, you're going to read your Bible, and you learn all about this, the, the goodness, the powerful, the, uh, the power of God, his sovereignty, all of these things. And then you're going to see the reality of a world, and you're like, how do these two things work? How do they work? I don't understand. And it's okay to say you don't understand. It's okay to say it makes no sense. It's okay to say, I wish I was never even born. Because you know what? There were great men in the Bible who who struggled with some of those same realities. Sometimes in the church, we act like we're not supposed to struggle with those realities, but it's perfectly okay to struggle with those realities. And you know what? I don't think simple answers learned in a apologetics class really answer the question. I don't think they do. I think I know it makes us feel good because we can feel like, well, I gave the atheist the answer and he wouldn't accept it. I, I, I Again, I'm not so much about winning debates as uh, trying to deal with these harsh realities. But let's go to Psalm 107 and we read verse one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Stop right here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now, the obvious question we would start asking ourselves in Psalm 107 is to just have a specific historical setting where specific people are being told to praise and thank God for something very specific, or does it have a greater application for all of us? And I think we can argue that maybe Psalm 107, even if it has a historical setting, these principles of praising and giving thanks to God they they are for they, these concepts are repeated beyond Psalm 107 and many other scriptures. Rejoice 
you know, uh, we should rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, do all things unto the glory of God. We, we, we know that there's plenty of New Testament scriptures that would put forth the same principles. So let me ask you, how do you reconcile, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good with 3,000 people dying in an earthquake? How do you reconcile, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good with children dying tonight in children's hospitals with terminal diseases and they are suffering? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. How do you reconcile that with tonight? Maybe at this very moment, there are children, someone who's just walked into that dark room and shut the door behind them and they're about to be used in a very horrible way. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Now, when you say this, is this is this a reference specifically to national Israel? Is this something that's happened in the past? Does it have some prophetic... Uh, implications. Verse four, they wander in the wilderness and a solitary way. They find found no city to dwell uh, in hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distress. And I think we can see that there's probably very much a, an Israel application to this. And it's specifically maybe referring to Israel, their uh, wilderness wanderings, God's provision for them. Right, it says uh, verse seven, and he led them forth by the right way that they might might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse nine, for He satisfy the longing soul. He satisfieth the longing soul. And filleth the hungry soul with goodness. And those are the key verses is eight and nine and Psalm 107 that is on this Bible study guide. Let me read them together. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now, this is where we find ourselves when we deal with this reality. And I've mentioned this in other broadcasts, but I'm just going to mention some very very important points here. And number one, I think, first of all, we should never, or we should always, I'll state it this way. I'll say it in a more affirmative way instead of a negative way. We should always be very much willing to acknowledge this apparent weird contradiction of, of God's goodness, mercy, powerful, his power, his, his sovereignty, his knowledge. We should be willing to admit that. And at the same time, we should always be willing to admit the pain, the suffering and the heartache and the horrible things that happen in this life. We should never hide from it. We should never, never minimize it. We should never tell people they can't express their pain. We should always be willing to acknowledge these two realities. 
And we have, and as a Christian, we have to acknowledge what we do. Look, because of suffering, look, nothing in this world, nothing, no matter how tragic, no matter how horrible it is, none of it changes the reality of God. At the same time, the reality of God doesn't simply change the pain that one experiences or feels or sees. So we have this weird thing that, well, if I see the goodness of God, then I have to somehow explain away the pain or try to, or try to get God out of it. Like God had nothing to do with it. You know, God basically is not in control. Satan took care of it all. God just, you know, like, okay, then it almost makes God like either he doesn't know or he lacks ability. All of those are problems because now you're using the reality of the world to change God. You cannot do that. You can't, you can't look to the, the reality of earth and change God. But at the same time, you can't look to the reality of God and then minimize or try to, try to, you know, almost push aside the reality of the suffering. Both have to be acknowledged in their fullness. One doesn't change the other. Now, some people will say, no, the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the power of God and these true things of God changes the the suffering. I don't think it does. I don't think we should. I don't think we should demand that. I think what we should say is we have to acknowledge both. Be willing to acknowledge both. God's power. God's, God's goodness. Be willing to acknowledge all of these attributes of God and be willing to acknowledge the reality of the world in which you live where there is pain and suffering and death and violence and tragedy. We must be willing to admit both or acknowledge both and their full power, not minimizing or diminishing either. Number two. So so number one, we must acknowledge both realities. Number two, we must Oh, I think, and this is going to be very difficult to say, but we must lift up our hands and lift up our voices and praise and adoration for God because of who he is, not because of what is happening around us. In other words, we, we, we praise and adore God because of who he is. Those attributes, attributes deserve our praise and adoration and it, and they, and it has nothing to do with what we experience or what we see. God is to be praised no matter what I'm experiencing or what I'm feeling. We have this tendency that if if and this happens sometimes in the midst of tragedy if some tragedy is let's say you you interview someone and they're like look you know um, nobody in our family was hurt well you know we we may have lost a couple of material things but nobody in our family was hurt Praise ye, praise ye the Lord. God is good. They may quote a scripture. They make make some reference to even Psalm one hundred seven, and but the thing is, it's so easy to do that when all of your family is right there. But if you if the if the they put the camera in your face and the microphone in your face, and you say, "Sir, how how are things going? My house is destroyed. I've lost everything, and I lost all my family. My children is dead. My wife is dead." I've lost everything. Praise ye the Lord, for he is good. Now, that becomes something that's hard to to comprehend. Now, on one hand, we have to acknowledge the reality. We don't diminish the suffering and we don't diminish God. So guess what we are called to do? We're called to praise God because those God is praiseworthy irregardless of what's going on in the world. That's a theological reality that I, look, you say, how is that? How can that be? I don't have an answer. 
Atheists and agnostics will mock that. And I understand why. They'd be like, why am I going to praise and worship and adore a God who all of these things happen? Well, I would say, because if God is real and these attributes are true, he deserves worship and adoration and praise for the attributes, irregardless of what I see or feel. I just know that I'm supposed to look. I don't, I may not want to. And so I think in prayer, then you can voice your lament, which is a spiritual, you know, scream. It's a spiritual scream of pain. That's what a lament is. You let your lament be known. And then you say, yet, Lord, I will praise you. I will praise you for your goodness. I will praise you for your wonderful works. I will praise you for you satisfy the longing soul and fill the hungry soul with goodness. Quoting Psalm 107, 8 and 9. See, number number one, we have to acknowledge both realities, right? And one's not going to change the other. And then secondly, guess what we have to do? We have to praise God. We have to thank God. We have to praise him for his righteousness, for his holiness, for his salvation, for his goodness. Doesn't mean I have to thank him for the tragedy. Now, that, that's the thing some people, I think, get confused. I don't like, Lord, thank you for my child dying of cancer. Thank you. But I thank you, Lord, that you are God and you are creator and you're sovereign and you're holy and you're right. I praise you for these attributes. So number one, we acknowledge two, the, both, the conflicting realities. Number two, we lift our voice and praise. And number three, now you'll see that there's a correlation here. We first acknowledge both. Now, the second thing we do is we praise God because we're commanded to lift up our voices and to praise him. He is worthy of worship. We are to adore him. But number three, this is also important, just as passionately As we lift our voices in praise, we lift our voice in spiritual lament. We let our pain be heard. We scream out with God, I do not understand. Where are you? Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why do people suffer? Why did children die of cancer? Why did these happen? And we scream. Now, sometimes it may seem like we're screaming into the abyss. Sometimes it may seem like we're screaming into the darkness and we will not hear anything. But you do not minimize that scream. Don't let any Christian tell you not to do it. Don't tell them it's a lack. Don't let anyone tell you it's a lack of faith. Don't let them criticize. Don't let, ignore them. You scream to God. God can handle your lament. And the Bible is full of, of these spiritual laments. Read the words of Job. That's a lament. So on one hand, we have to acknowledge both realities. Don't diminish one. Secondly, we lift our voices and we praise God. And and you say, well, I don't know how to praise God. You go through the scriptures and find the Psalms that give you the words of praise and you give, you recite, you recite them to God. But number three, you, you scream out in spiritual pain. Now, typically you don't need any help in doing that. Now you may say, but when, what if I cross the line? You know what? God is merciful and good and he will forgive you. You can ask for you can ask for forgiveness, but if you don't let it out and scream it out, then all you're doing is you start pretending to be something that you're not and and the spirit the bitterness inside of you will eat you away and it will ultimately eat away at your Christianity and will lead to deconstruction and possibly even wanting to just abandon your entire faith. Be willing to admit when it's not right, when you don't understand. 
admit both realities, lift your voice in praise. You need to be praising God continually and you, using scripture to do so. This, this is why the liturgy of the hours was such an important part of early church history. Right? They prayed the Psalms. If you followed the liturgy of the hours, there were certain hours dedicated for prayer. There was morning prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, late night prayer. There was ultimately seven hours earlier on in church history, and then they broke them down. Now they have the office of readings, morning prayer, afternoon prayer, which is broken into different hours, evening prayer, and late night prayer. So they've, they've kind of minimum, they've kind of, you know, compacted these. But the thing is, if you pray the liturgy of the hours, which is just scripture for the most part, there's other things thrown in, obviously, because it became the dominant way the Catholic Church prayed. But if you throw out any other thing there and just pray the scriptures, then for each set hour, there's there's different psalms that you're praying. And guess what? Every And basically every four weeks, you pray all 150 psalms. Well, these gives you the, these gives you the words to say. You raise your voice in prayer to God using, in a sense, his hymn book, his worship book that he's given us. But then you're, you, you are continually doing that. Now, here's the benefit. See, you acknowledging the reality is good because you're not living in some kind of, you know, pretend and you're not playing. You don't, you, you can just be honest, right? You can be honest. Number two, by praising God, here's, the, here's what happens. Here's what happens is you are forcing yourself to constantly look away from the suffering and pain. Not because you've denied it, because number one, you've acknowledged it, but you are taking time to set your mind off the pain and the suffering. You're not, you're not looking at it. You're not even, this is not petitioning or interceding. This is you just coming to God going, Lord, I praise you because you are holy. I praise you because you are creator of the heavens and the earth. I praise you because you are almighty and nothing is too difficult for you. I am praising him for his attributes. I am not, and, and I, by doing that, it gets your eyes off all everything else and it sets your mind heavenward instead of earthward right and and you and you can reverse the order here if you want to you can acknowledge the reality of both and then you can start with a lament if you want but i say start with praise maybe it's better to start with the lament you can work out your own order and but then next guess what you let you can speak freely and openly with the creator of the universe with your lord and savior you know why you can because he already knows what's in your heart. Maybe in church, you got to put on the little mask and do pretend. But before God, you can just cry out your pain. You can cry out your suffering. You can cry out your sin. And he can take it. And guess what that does? That gets it out of you. So if you put your mind towards God and you get all of the pain and suffering and confusion out of you, that are those are major steps to maintaining somewhat of a stable spiritual life. You have to do that. You have to do that. So number one, acknowledge the two realities. Number two, and if you you can put the lament first, and, and there would probably be some some arguments in doing that, but I would but whichever way you want to go, but since I already given this order, I'm gonna stay with it. Praise God. Just use the scriptures. Praise, praise God, praise God. And then number three, lament, scream out. And I think it's very important to do that and to remember that. And then 
those, those are kind of the steps I would take. And then what I would say is this. It's very important to never forget this important reality. What is true of God is true of God irregardless of anything we experience or see on this earth. What is true of God is true of God because that's how he revealed himself in his word. And guess what? The the reality you see and experience, that reality is real and doesn't become any less because of what you know of God. You can't minimize it. I kind of it, this is really just a restating in a roundabout way what I'm trying to get you to do in the first one. I want you to acknowledge the the truth of God and I want you to acknowledge the suffering at the same time and not minimize one or the other. But I'm just now trying to articulate the principle. What is true of God is true of God no matter what happens. But that pain and that suffering and that tragedy is just as real. And just trying to say God is good and God is good all the time doesn't change the suffering. Some people say that to try to minimize the suffering. You don't do that. But God is good because God is good, irregardless of what's happening in or or around me. There aren't easy answers to this. And see, I'm not providing answers. What I'm providing is trying to give you the path to live in the midst of this, these two realities. We are in a fallen, broken, horrible world. And, and, and sometimes it makes no sense. And again, that's going to just lead to the logical questions. Well, wait a minute. Why would an all-knowing, all-powerful God who knew exactly what was going to happen? We, we know all of the philosophical problems that it pre- presents. And many times Christians just try to downplay the problems. It's like, well, it's really not that difficult. You just need to have a little faith. Uh, no, no, stop minimizing it. There's real problems in trying to understand it. So we acknowledge these two realities, and then we, but we still praise God. And then we raise our voice and spiritual lament. And we never, we keep in mind that whatever we experience or see does not change the truth of God. The truth of God is fixed based off how he revealed himself in his word. But at the same time, that truth of God does not change or minimize the reality of the pain in which you endure. And Christians always want to tell people to just say, hey, 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 here's a scripture almost to minimize or almost to say, don't worry about the pain. Don't, don't cry. Don't be upset. No, no, no. You know what? You don't, first thing, what you need to do when people are suffering is stop trying to give them an an answer and just say, I'm sorry, please tell me what you're feeling. Share it and just let them scream out in pain. And you don't need to offer an answer. You don't need to offer anything. A lament is acceptable. And we've talked about that in an entire broadcast dealing with laments. So I'm going to end going back to Psalm 107. And sometimes I, I will be the first to admit when I see read things like in Psalm 107, and it shows me what God did for Israel. You wish you would do that for everyone, right? There wouldn't, you know, there wouldn't be starvation and all the what okay, but I'm just gonna read everything. Psalm 107, verses one through nine. Here we go. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeem of the Lord say so when he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, whom he hath redeemed from the uh, hand of the enemy. Let me read that again. I've been misreading it now multiple times. Let the redeem of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness In a solitary way, they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful work to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Always appreciate any feedback. Of course, if you ever want to give us a positive review, you can do so in the Apple Podcasting app. Five-star reviews are always great. You can go to theologycentral.net. You can leave us a review there. And if you ever like to support us, you can do so at theologycentral.net or using the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app, just look for Theology Central and you'll see the ability to support us if you would like to do so. This is a special late night episode on this September the 11th, 2023. Remembering the concepts of tragedy, but at the same time, never forgetting the reality and truth of who God is and how we live with those two realities. Thanks for listening. God bless.